podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a View from the Bridge, official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today's Tuesday, the 11th of January, 2022. And my name is Patrick Smith. Two wins for the Belfast Giants over the five flyers, and they continue in their strong run of form this week. There are three games, including Wednesday night's Challenge Cup quarterfinal second leg, where the Giants are one goal behind. We have a lot of stuff to cover on this week's show. We're going to look back at those four points against the Flyers. Uh, we'll head down to training with Simon to chat to a few of the lads. Mark Garside is going to answer the fan agenda questions for this week, and we'll have December's Player of the Month winner to announce, but I think you know who it is anyway. We'll look ahead this weekend's games with Aaron Murphy of Premier Sports, and we'll also be looking at the Elite League's Pride Week and hopefully be joined by Chris Lovell. First of all, however, Mr. David Majimsky, you well? Good evening, Patrick. Very nice to see you. And you, Simon? And a, and a, and a very happy birthday to you, Simon. It was last time. It's all news, man. It was last week. Right. We've been there. We've done that. Do you have a good day? I'm, I've stopped counting. Um, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. good. It was good. Crack. A little trip to Scotland as part of it. Uh, I was, I was, yeah, I thought, I, I think you might have seen it on, on uh, a Twitter. I posted about being clamped. Genuinely yep. thought, of it, thought it was a joke. Um, but it turned out it wasn't. Um, it was where were you parked? The, I was parked in the back car park of the arena. Um, oh. but that's been a complete oversight. I mean, Phonocab have I still work for Phonocab obviously a couple of days a week, but um, it was a complete oversight with regards to the car tax. And a car ultimately, it's our responsibility to tax the car, but we didn't know where you get a renewal letter and send you have to, you know, it's due tax. Yeah. We can't find it anywhere. We we keep all the list of posts and we have a, a list of emails coming through can't find yeah. a reminder at all so we've overseen that um overlooked that sorry um and when we come back the car was clamped by the dvla um <sighs> but it's on private property which they shouldn't have been shouldn't they shouldn't have been allowed to go that. on their private property um but unfortunately um i was hoping to be there when they were there to take the clamp off yesterday um but they got there before me and they were already gone so I was going to give them a, a bit of abuse, but um, look, it's as I say, it's make sure you keep your car tax, folks, and you don't have a clamp to come back to. But yes, um, all like, the boys, if it's, your, if it's on your drive, they can't clamp it on your drive, can they? I, I'm not sure about that, but I know they can't clamp you um, in private property. But uh, the boys give me stacks, like I mean, they're uh, driving into the car park. It just so happened. Oh no, Nigel, the bus driver parked it right beside the car, and you know, <laughs> and of course the, the rings around the bus going, oh, "Happy birthday, Kitchy!" You know, and 100, 160 quid later for a fine, I had to get it sorted out. But it is what it is. All these things happen. Yeah, certainly do, mate. Listen, that's it. Just done now. You know what I mean? You sign it off. Forget about it. But, you, but a good birthday nonetheless. Oh, they've got a great day. Yeah, it was good. It was good crack. Obviously, the night before we get the result, and uh, but maybe mate JJ Pickenish scoring the penalty shot winner, David, just to bring that up. Um, and then, uh, and then the um, obviously the, the trip back was good crack, and, and I've spent the rest of the day with Jasmine, so it was all good. Good stuff. Well, then, listen, let's get stuck into those two games <laughs> against the five flyers. And as we normally do when it comes to two games like this, I'll give, run you through the statistics and then we'll talk about the games. The game that took place on Friday night against the five flyers was a 4 1 win for your Belfast Giants. Goals from the Giants coming from David Goodwin, Ben Lake, Lewis Hook, and Slater Doggett. And the only goal for the five flyers come from Carson Stadnick. Uh, Shane Owen was in goals for the five flyers, 46 shots on, four goals against. Jackson Whistle in goals for the Belfast Giants, 25 shots on, one goal against. And uh, the referees that night were Dalton and Stefan Hogarth. 
And then we go into, I'm going to try and do this really quickly and bring up the other stats here. But there we go into the game that we traveled over to Fife to take on the Five Flyers in their own barn. And it was a two, 3-2 overtime win for your Belfast Giants. The goals for the Five Flyers come from Tommy Yuggen and uh, Michael Mann Nichols. Uh, for the Giants, Mark Cooper, Jeff Baum, and then it goes into overtime and a penalty shot in overtime slotted away by J.J. Pekinich. Uh, Shane Owen, 32 shots against, three goals against. Tyler Beskarowani back in, that's 32 shots on, two goals against. The two referees that night were Pavel Hallis and Daniel Ferguson. Um, Davey, the Giants are in a bit of a role, and uh, Friday night was quite the example of that. Yeah, and I, saying that, I, I felt that the Five Flyers played pretty well. Certainly in the first period, they came out quite strong, um, and it was good for us to go into that first period break with with a bit of a lead. We talked last week, I guess, on the show about you know coming trying to come up with superlatives when you're going on a ten game run. You know, it, it becomes harder each week this to find something different to say because we've played quite a similar kind of game for the last lot of week. That suffocating four check. You know, the, the top line's coming up with really pretty plays, and you see this if you're watching it on YouTube, this play where JJ comes out of the corner, feeds Conway, who gets it in, in front. And we've we've played that, and it might even be Goody that scored him two or three goals this season where he's skating across and takes a puck past the, the goalie and drops in behind. And then a really nice, we, we, we come up with a power play goal from Ben Lake and just before the end of the first period, a really, really nice shot just over the just over the the pads of Shane Owen, who played pretty well over the course of the weekend. He was pretty good on um, Simon, maybe come back more on it, but he was pretty good on Friday night, I felt. And, uh, you know, it, it took a lot. It took a, it took a real, real quality play to beat Owen on Friday night. And unfortunately, we've just got that wee bit of puck luck at the minute going for us as well, where we're we're getting a few breaks in front of the net and, and taking those opportunities as it came along. Really, really good in the circle again. Both nights, um, I think... Um, Perhaps on Sunday night it was. Uh, I think Scott Conway, no Saturday or Friday night. Sorry, Scott Conway was nearly eighty percent in the circle. You know, I think ourselves sixty five percent overall. It was a game we could have perhaps Fife could have maybe got another goal. We probably should have had maybe another couple. You know, sort of six two something like that. Probably a more reflective of of possession and and that kind of thing in the game. But a a good win to keep the streak going and take it up to nine at that stage. So I, mean, I thought that like I think Davy just made a good point there, especially in that first period on Friday night. Shane Owen was standing up strong because even if you look at the shot count that night, you know, 46 shots on Shane the to, to 25 shots on Jackson, the Giants were putting him under a lot of pressure. And I, again, in that first period, I thought, oh no, Shane Owen's going to be having one of those nights. I, I thought he was really good, especially in the first say 28, 29 minutes. Uh, on uh, Friday night, you know, he, he wasn't coughing up many rebounds, and if he was, he had good support from his D men, which you know made it easier for him to, to uh, get the second uh, block as well. He pulled off a number of really quality saves in the first period, and he ended up on the man of the match award. So, um, mm-hmm. it's not often you get a, an away team goalie conceding four goals at the SSA Arena getting man of the match, um, and it's not often you get the away team goalie getting man of the match. Uh, but I thought he played really, really well, and, and you tend to get that with guys who. Are coming back into a place they used to play before, um, and you know they, they try and step their game up. And and the Flyers again, you know, we look, we we faced them, wasn't it? We've already played them six times, so that's eight now this mm-hmm. season. So you know, we've seen a lot of them this season, and we've managed to win the eight games, which is great. But you know, I, I feel they're getting better, and 
you know, you, you talk about the post over the uh, the weekend itself, Paddy and Friday, they, uh, you know, it, it's always difficult when you, you're you coming, they come over in a, whatever it was, 2.30 sailing or 3.30 sailing. Uh, the face-off is slightly delayed because of it, but, you know, they, they come in, they, they start off really well. The first pair, they were, I thought they were really, really good. But on the Saturday night, it's probably the best first period against us. Take out the Sheffield game where we just didn't turn up. Um, I think that's probably the best first period against us this season. They played really, really well, and they put us under pressure. Besco was out, outstanding on Saturday night. Um, you know, we played. He, I thought it probably his best game of the season. So, um, you look, it, it, the Flyers are sitting. I don't know what position they're in now. I think it maybe it's either ninth or tenth in the league. Um, but you know, the, it, it, I don't think it reflects nice. the way they play. Um, I think they're a better team than than where they're sitting at the minute. And again, it's one of those ones where they will pick up results against other teams, hopefully against Sheffield and Cardiff down the line. But um, I, I thought over the weekend, um, the performances, the two performances, especially on Friday, uh, where we definitely deserved to win. But on Saturday night, with the chances were created, um, obviously, you know, you, 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 we're talking about this, I'm not sure it was last week or the week before. You take your puck luck when it comes along because it's going to go against you. Um, and we get that puck luck on the on the sun, Saturday night, sorry, with the penalty shot. Because to be honest, I don't think it should have been a penalty shot. He gets the shot away. Yeah. Let me come back to that. I will go to Davey just to ask quickly about Saturday night. Oh, sorry, about Friday night and Jackson Whistle, who obviously hasn't been getting his chances as much lately, but he took his chance on, he certainly took his chance on Friday night. I think Jackson's played. I was doing the stats this morning, so I should know this, but it's either nine or ten games, and it's like goals against averages 1.96 or something. Mm-hmm. And he's very comparable stats actually to what Besco's are this season. He's done okay. Actually, the goal were conceded. The guy's completely flopped the shot. Jackson's obviously slightly out of position because it's a nice pass across the Royal Road there, and your man's had a one-time run, and he's kind of fluffed it and it's it's kind of looped up <clears> over <throat> a, a sprawling Jackson whistle. He's that He's that he's more scrambly than than Besco is. There's a slightly different style of goaltender, but you know his numbers are very comparable. And you know, I talked to Simon over when we're over at Christmas there, and we're down at practices <clears> night <throat> for coffee. And what they always seem to do was drink coffee and tea and eat donuts and whatever we could get our hands on. But have, I did not have a donut. What did we have? We went to Tim Hortons. We didn't eat donuts. And we had what the we breakfast. Eat? We had the breakfast. Well, we, 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 we ate plenty anyway. <laughs> Wherever we went, we had. <laughs> I'm not arguing about that point. We had, a, we had a snack. Um, but uh, and we talked hockey as just constantly. And, uh, you know, Simon been saying how well Jackson has been performing, especially in practice, because he hasn't been getting the same amount of game time. I think it's probably split by 20 games to 10, or in about 30 games now, aren't we? I think it's yeah. about 20 to best goal, 10 to Jackson, something like that, which is superb backup goaltender to have. You'll want best go to be your go-to guy. That's just the way that we're set up, but it's great to have a Jackson whistle that can play one out of three games, one out of four games, something like that, mm-hmm. especially down the stretch here because there are big games where he has to come in. Okay, he's played mostly against the Scottish teams and stuff there, but maybe a, a three and three where Jackson comes in on the third night or plays the middle night or something like that. Jackson knows where he is and he'll be busting. He'll be itching for more game time and he's probably knocking the coach's door and Des going, I'm ready to go here, coach, if you need me. But, you know, just look at his numbers which sometimes isn't what you need to do for a goaltender. Rob McGregor will be one that'll say, you know, don't always look at a goaltender's numbers, mm-hmm. but his performances have backed up the statistics. I think he's been quite good this season when he's been called on. Better than quite good. That's 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 underselling. He's been excellent when called upon. Good, Simon. Give your input on Jackson. 
Yeah, I mean, again, I'm lucky enough where I get to see the practices and, and uh, you know, the effort that goes in both, um, well, Jackson, Besco, and Deco as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Deco's not getting um, much chance with the way things are going at the minute, and I think he'll probably be happy enough for that. I mean, at the end of the day, I know he wants to play, but, you know, he, he understands his role, and um, uh, he sure he got the weekend off and he was ready to watch the Chelsea match, so he's over the moon. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the whole, the, the aspect of where Jackson is right now, it's I think we're we're very very lucky. You know, we know that uh, you know the best go is that go to guy at the minute. Jackson's played ten games as a backup, which is probably more than at least ninety percent of the the other teams in the league for a backup goalie. But I I don't think Jackson sees himself as a backup, which is I think is really good as well because you 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 know you want your both your your goalies that are on your roster every week. You want them battling for the start. I mean mm-hmm. if. If you're a backup That's goalie, right. not battling, not getting a toss about, you know, if he plays or not, you, you don't want them there. You want these guys to play. They want you want them to want them to play, and it just means that they're competitive. And and again, I mean, even this morning, they're watching the practice this morning. They were playing the uh, for Bagel Boy at the end of the the, uh, the practice this morning. So they all looked well up for it. The boys again are, are in good form. And, and I was chatting to uh, to Mark Cooper about that today. It's you know when you're winning, the, the mood's great. Um, and we're, we're lucky enough we're on a really good streak at the minute and long may that continue but we're now going away from it for a couple of days to concentrate in the Challenge Cup before uh, the Friday game with the, the Cardiff Devils so it's um, it's great to have two goalies where you can um, as, as, as I think a point that I said this to Davey I don't mind who plays I would feel confident with both those guys going into the net that we're going mm-hmm. to win and they're going to give us a chance to win and that's all you're asking your goalies and all the games that Jackson's has played this year I think he's done that. Yeah. Um, let's move on. Well, the, the highlights from Friday's game are available, of course, on YouTube from Belfast Giants TV. And let's have a quick move on to, to Saturday's game, Davey. And Siz mentioned there that the first period was as tough as the Belfast Giants have had it all season. I think I WhatsApp Simon at the end of the first period with virtually the same words. So I thought the five flyers were absolutely excellent in the first period of the game. Besco, and we've just talked about goaltending there, Besco, Jackson, whoever was going to be in Nets was going to have to absolutely be on their A game. And he was for, for us to go in. I think it was nil-nil at the end of the first period. I'm right, aren't it? There, Simon? Nothing yeah. else at the end of the first. Yeah, um, and a large portion of that was down to Tyler besco standing tall in that. Good team defense at times as well. But really, when it came to the crunch, there was, there was times where they had real proper great A chances against us and Besco came up big. Um, so, like, absolute credit to them. They came out flat. You know, you talk about the travel days, and Simon experienced the, the travel day early, early morning coach, early boat, long trip to Fife. No matter what way you square it up, it's a long trip across Scotland to Fife. I don't know what what you did in terms of stops and stuff, Simon. Fife had to do it twice before we got there, so you know you can only have the bus legs excuse so much. But it's a difficult travel day, as as you a couple of boys have said themselves in interviews as well. So to get out of that 20 minutes and not be behind the five team that really threw everything at us in that first 20 minutes was good. And then we we obviously got in the game, got that goal ahead, which was which was crucial for what was a really, really, really tight game. Again, Simon, you know, five it's different. You said you said yourself that they're they're sitting ninth in the league as it stands. And I think as a team, they're better than that. I absolutely think that, Paddy. You know, they had a difficult start to the season, which didn't help them. Um, you, you, they had, uh, you know, they were short on bodies. They didn't have their import structures, uh, numbers in, sorry. Uh, I know that Todd was, was, you know, he was pushing for 
for new players coming in. They've picked up a couple there that Jokinen from Nottingham and mm-hmm. Brendan McGee, um, who's come in. I'm not sure where he was playing at the start of the season, but he played with Griffin Reinhardt the year before last in uh, the KHL. Um, so, you know, you don't get the KHL if you're a bad player. So, you know, he, I thought he was he was okay at the weekend as well. He had a couple of good opportunities. And did he get the goal? Did he, I think, I'm not sure if he got one. Tommy Jokinen got the goal. All oh, right, okay. So, but I, I thought he was impressive um, over the weekend, and again, it, it all starts from the back end. You know, Shane Owen is definitely playing better now than what he was at the start of the season. Um, he's getting better defense and better support uh, back there as well. So, it, you know, Fife's always been a difficult rink to go into. Um, it's it's cold. It's you know, it's you feel the damp when you walk in through the, the doors itself, and you, you know, it's a hundred year old building, but it's still got that feel. That you know, that, that it's an old barn and and it, it gives that atmosphere when it's full. Unfortunately, there was only two hundred fans there um, at the weekend, yeah. but they're not shy and giving a load of stacks uh, of abuse to uh, the keeper who was waving at them. And Taff got a bit, and a few of the players, Boucher was getting it from the fans as well. Um, and unfortunately, we had to stand right beside that drum. But my God, our man keeps banging it! Like, <laughs> um, you know, we could. I get assume they were all it. season ticket holders. I, I nope. don't know which way that I don't know nope. which way they did it, Paddy. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, there was a couple of Belfast Giants fans managed to get tickets for it, so it was all good. Yeah, good stuff. Well, let's come back to that point, Simon. I'll, I'll I'll let you because you obviously you were about to talk about him, so I'll let you go first, and then Davy. But you were saying that you you appeared to be leading into the fact you weren't so sure that the penalty shot should have been awarded. Well, I always thought that a penalty shot, you know, especially is, is awarded. Yeah, well, yeah, especially over time, but. You know, don't get me wrong. When it happened, I'm calling for a penalty shot, and everybody yep. in the bench is calling for a penalty shot. Um, and don't again, I'm glad it was given. But if you if you watch the video of it, he, JJ gets the shot away, and then yep. I'm pretty sure the guy I can't remember who it was. I actually think it might be Brandon McGee was chasing him, and he sort of speared him in the back of the knee, back of the leg, um, which is a bit a bit of a you know a naughty play as well. And then JJ falls and hits the boards. But um, you know, I, 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 if I didn't get the penalty, and Adam, by all means, he would have been absolutely infuriated with it. But I think after that, and when he watched it back, he'd probably go, "That's probably the right call." So I think we've got a wee bit of luck. But again, I talked about this earlier. Here it comes now. We're just watching the video of it. If you're, yeah, if you're on a you YouTube, just tap in the back of the knee. So, uh, so uh, definitely something in the back of the knee. I think I it's think- more than a tap. Oh, I think it's a. T- I think it's a horrible. It's a little yeah. naughty. I I sent the video to you, Simon, when you were on the bus on the way home on on Saturday night. We were talking, and you're like, "Cut that! I want to see. I want to see that." And I sent here, like, I think it's naughty enough, but um, I also think that although JJ gets the shot away, I'm not. Oh, let's see if I can bring it back for anybody watching on YouTube. I'm not convinced that he gets it away enough. Before the spear comes in, it's as he's taking the shot, and the rule is that it has to. Well, I'll actually give you kind of. It's um, a penalty shot is a is awarded when a team loses a clear scoring opportunity on a breakaway because of a foul committed, and I think he loses a clear goal scoring opportunity there because if he doesn't take him down from behind, he's probably going to his backhand like he does on the penalty shot. But he obviously can't go to the backhand here. In this situation, because the player takes his legs from under, and I think it's, I think it's fair enough. Look, and and I'm gonna go back to Shane Owen there. The three goals he concedes on Saturday night. The first one, lots of traffic in front of Griffin Reinhardt, who had an outstanding weekend. By the way, mm-hmm. I thought Griffin across awesome. both games was superb. Just a little fake of the shoulders, and that freezes. Owen, Owen goes down on both knees. 
and he just dishes it off. And okay, there's players in front, but he doesn't have a goalie to beat for the first one. The second one is that um, a bomber scores, isn't it? Bomber goes in, and there's two or three. They're neither yeah, five that's a brilliant D-men. finish, by the way. Yeah, really, there's, really there's, smart there's two, finish. Three, five D men, and he's gone short side. Obviously, Owen protecting the front end, I think, and he's going for the pass. He doesn't have the shot. It makes and the third one, anything can really happen on on a penalty shot. And JJ makes a lovely move and pops it through the five hole when he goes down. But you know, Owen played really well. We had to be clever with our goals, and you have to get traffic in front of these goalies. We've said it week after week. These goalies don't concede. There's very, 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 very few blue line slap shots, wrist shots go in with no traffic. These guys just stop them all now. So uh, you know, credit to credit to Owen, but credit to the Belfast Giants. That goal got reviewed. The second goal got reviewed. Bomber's goal got reviewed for a long time. For I think it was Bomber was making a or not sorry, Jordan Boucher was making a, a nuisance himself in front of the net, but he was well clear. I think it a texted you at the time, Sam saying Bush was in the crease, but he was well gone before yeah. before um, Bomber come down and score six from seven from eight. Lovely for the uh, statisticians, statisticians that that goal. So. Love writing those ones down. The um, as a reflection of the weekend, obviously you know, five came in as a replacement for the the, the Coventry Blaze on Friday, and then we get the double. But it's actually put us in quite a strong position um, leading into the coming weekend. I'll just have a quick look at the league table while we're here. Um, let's pull it up here. There you have it. So you know. You've got the Sheffield Steelers, obviously, sitting on top of 35 points from 21. The Cardiff Devils, 35 points level, but have played four more games. And then we're on 32, played the same amount as the Steelers. You know, Simon, you know, points, on the, points on the board are better than games in hand. We know that, but that's a strong position for the Belfast Giants to be in. And if you look at the win column, we're 15 regular, um, yep. you know, regular time wins, which is a regulation win. Sorry, which is really, really important as well. That's mm-hmm. what won it for us in the in the uh, last season. You know, well, not the last season because we won it three years in a row, but the first <laughs> season of the last season. Um, but uh, you know, that's important as well. You know, you want to be winning your games in sixty minutes, and I think, I think that was our first OT win, and of the season. Yeah, so you know, that's it, again, you, you want to win your game in 60 minutes, it takes a lot of pressure off you from you know, down to three on three with a short bench, especially. But you know, again, over the weekend and the chances created, by the way, we haven't really touched on it. Pickenich, Conway, and Hook, and the second period on Saturday night, outstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they genuinely five at some points during that period. Fife looked, they were chasing shadows against Conway, Pickenich, and Hook. They were just swarming all over the place. Griffin Reinhardt. Hook obviously stepping up there with uh, with David Goodwin uh, out injured. Yeah, Goodie missed the, the last period on Friday night and then didn't travel on Saturday. So, uh, But David touched on Griffin Reinhardt there. I thought defensively we were very strong uh, all weekend. But, you know, losing uh, Cam Knight for the weekend, which, you know, sort of dropped it down to, to 5D for majority of the weekend itself is always tough as well. But they just rotated it, and I, I was lucky enough. Well, not lucky enough. Taft told me to do the gate because he, we were at the far side of the of the uh, rank, and he's having to run round to get into like, get the key open to open the door for the, um, for the players coming back in and then leaving the dressing room. So it takes a few minutes for him to get going. But um, I so but you know watching, I don't forget. I'm usually watching the game from the furthest row back. Um, and Robert Fitzpatrick, the CEO, was with me or with us at the weekend as well, and and that's the first time he ever watched a, a game from. You know, beside the plexiglass, and notice the big difference as well. So it's um, it, it gives a different perspective. You you 
the game is just so quick when you're sitting right beside that gate um, and where you're sitting right beside the plexiglass. So, look, four-point weekend. You can't do any more than that. That's great. Uh, but as I say, we're on a really good bit of form at the minute and long, long, long may it continue. One thing I'm taking from that league table, Davey, is it is more or less split into a few different league tables. You've got the top three who seem to be having their own battle and then we've played the same number of games as Nottingham Panthers and there's a 10-point gap there. Brilliant, doesn't it? <laughs> we'll come back to um, them later on, of course. Yeah, we'll come back then. But yeah, as you say, there's there's little many, you know, leagues within leagues, and obviously down near the bottom there, the sort of the bottom four look, looking to try and get out, make sure they're not in that bottom two slots. And, and Simon has said it there earlier in the show as well. Um, Coventry should probably be okay there, but between the stars, the flyers, and the clan, you know, we've played them all, and these teams have the ability to beat anybody else. And that's I suppose the league still does have that little bit of parity. Teams can stink the place out, but then all of a sudden they can come up with a, you know, a, a good win to, to get themselves back in, involved in things. But I, um, what was I going to say there? What was I? Time on ice, you know, Sam's talked about the, the boys there. Griffin Reinhardt took his first minor penalty of the season, which is phenomenal for, for a big guy at, at the back wow. end of beat. And it wasn't a penalty, Davey. Sorry? It wasn't a penalty. <laughs> Some things get called penalties in Scotland that aren't but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we we talked about we talked about this on the bus on the way home. Uh or sorry, on the way back to the hotel. It was not a penalty. That's, that's why it's so only, angry. That's his only minor penalty of the season. Yeah. So First far. minor penalties. But you've got like Sam Rupp, 28 minutes, um Rainer, something like 26 minutes, and and Griffin, sort of like 24, 25 minutes with with the penalty. Probably been out been out on the ice. And and then the, the other couple of guys that were filling in for uh, Gary, obviously 20 odd minutes as well. Um, bomber the same so those five guys having to work exceptionally hard and, and different people bumping in and out to do a wee bit on, on day as well so it'd be good to have Cam Knight back obviously you know hopefully he's short term but look another four point weekend sorry Sam's got the finger up there yeah thanks very much the um the, the, you know it's it's uh thanks it's um you know we, we, we sort of glazed over Jeff Baum's goal um and we've sort of glazed over Jeff bomb from the weekend. I don't think we mentioned too much. I thought no, he was brilliant. Exactly. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, this kid, first year pro, he's really, you know, I, 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 as he came in, when he came in at the start of the season, he's your number six defenseman. Um, and he's proven a lot of people wrong. I think he's been, every single game, he's getting more confident. Um, I'm really liking his game. He's very offensive minded. He's playing power play minutes. He's playing penalty kill minutes. Um, he scored that great goal on Saturday night with not much to shoot at. Um, I thought he was absolutely outstanding all weekend. He's played a lot with Mark Garside. Yeah. And I guess the compliment that you would give Mark Garside in this is when he played with Kiefer and Loiter as a forward, he won them the puck and he gave it to them and he let them do their thing. And he kind of does that with Jeff Baum as well. He's just that sort of calm. He plays that first tight let pass very well, Gary. does the simple thing simple. And and Bomber's, you know, first year pro, but he's he's not, you know, Wet behind the ears either. He knows what he's doing out there, but Gary just makes the game simple. And Bomber does the same thing. And when those two are out on the ice, you know, you look at their plus minus. They're they're really really sharp. And you know, as a as a parent, I know they haven't been together all the time because of injuries and suspensions and illness and stuff. But when they play together, they're a really nice solid defensive partnership. And and it's, I think it was Hoogie feeds it back to the Gary who just opens his body up and plays that little left-handed pass across and Bomber just takes the ice. You've said it a few times, Simon, about you're taught as a kid to take the ice. And, and we've scored a few goals, getting that puck at the top of the circles and D-man collapsing in around the goalie and going and taking that ice. <laughs> Whoa. Going and taking that ice and getting the shot away. 
but um, a really nice partnership development there. And I think you spoke about it with um, Darcy on Friday night during commentary about um, Mark Garcia and Bond being a nice little partnership together as well. And that's that's one that's burned fruit, getting time together, practicing together, playing on the ice together. You know, you've, you've almost got little set deep, deep partnerships there, and that's one that's been really fruitful. It's interesting because you, you, some might say you're taking some of these lads over and giving them their first year pro, especially internationally, and coming over here from North America is a it can be a risk, and I'm sure it can be. But then it also pops into my head: Kendall, uh, Kendall McFall, Josh Roach, two guys who came in first year pro and phenomenally good. Yeah, I mean Josh Roach, you touched on McFall. Those still two in guys Austria, in. I think. Um, I think he, I think he was let go a few weeks ago because he's was hurt. He? Yeah, um, uh, but again, he's a he's top top quality, and I wasn't surprised he was going on to hard. Well, arguably hard league, um, and it's a pity the big Kendall retired. Um, you know, after one season, one very successful season in Furness mm-hmm. to him, but um, you know he's selling tractors now, whatever it is. But um, uh, yeah, again, we've been very very lucky, and and that's all done by the hard work of Steve and Adam. You know the the hard work of, of what you're doing over the summer and recruiting and getting everything put in place. It's um, uh, it, we've been very, very lucky and, and uh, hopefully there's uh, there's just the start of it. Just a couple have come in so far. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Let's move on gentlemen. Uh, okay. The, and the highlights I think from uh, the five game should be on five flowers TV on YouTube. Usually takes a few days. Might take as long as the Nottingham Panthers, which usually take about a week to put out uh Highlights. I've noticed that the Panthers win the right the next day. Oh, yeah, mm. of course, of course, of course. Anyway, um, let's pop down to training. Simon had an opportunity earlier today to see the lads down at the Ice Bowl. We hear from Mark Cooper, Kieran Long, and Adam Keefe. Longer than uh, obviously four point weekend um, against the five Flyers, two at home, two away. Uh, you know, you, when you're playing the Flyers, you, they, they all come to play, and it was a really tough start on Friday night. It was no different on Saturday. Yeah, no, it's definitely how it went um, they came out hot in the first period I think we took over in the second um, coming going into five you know it's really a tough game it's a long travel day and they came out the same way but luckily we came out with the four points it, it, one of those games on the Saturday especially the you know in back and forth and obviously you know coming up with the over time shootout winner everybody's always pleased yeah no honestly I mean what, what a great play we had what, what great tactic, I believe was the word. Um, but I, I don't know what the rules are for that play, but um, unfortunately he doesn't want to go. Don't be tightened. No. But, um, but, you know, big, big win. Um, now, uh, can you talk us through the, uh, the end of the ice this morning? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just, you know, trying to try keep the mood light, get the boys going. Kind of got to take my skate guards off. <laughs> I ended up on all fours. We're going to try and get the CCTV from the arena. Absolutely. We'll play it on the uh, AVF TV tonight. Laura, thanks very much for your time. Thanks. I love my words. No, man. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Hello, Jason. Hello, Simon. How are you? Coops, um, again, four-point weekend against the Five Flyers. Uh, We're on a roll. Um, Everybody's in in pretty good form. Not usually is the case. When you keep winning, it's just things. Practice, you actually look forward to practice as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a great environment. It's so fun coming in the rink. Um, ten in a row is obviously a huge accomplishment, but we just got to kind of look forward and keep rolling and uh, just look towards the next opponent and uh, kind of keep that mindset. 
the two games of the past weekend against the Five Flyers, um, again, two tight victories. Obviously, Saturday night you got your first goal. Um, well, sorry, our first goal of the game. Um, and JJ coming up with a overtime uh, penalty shot. So was nice. Yeah, um, Friday obviously went real well. And then Saturday, uh, not the start we wanted, but found a way to win. Um, and JJ came up big in overtime there, and uh, like he's been doing all year. It, it, you, you talk about not you know playing your best on Saturday, but it's those games that you really need to dig in, and the boys did that on Saturday. Night. Yeah, for sure, we needed uh, a full sixty that or sixty-five, right. I guess, <laughs> uh, to get uh, to get that victory. But yeah, it wasn't our best. It was a long travel day, but we found a way. Um, just kind of uh, relying on uh, skill and keeping it simple, and uh, came out on top. You. Mali's have put the, the league form to aside for um, for 24 hours anyway. You've got the Coventry players coming in on uh, Wednesday night, uh, second leg of the Challenge Cup. Something you're probably not used to in North America playing over two legs, uh, but it's it's an important game uh, if we want to progress to the next level. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, kind of, I'm taking the approach of it. It's just another another game, um, not a Challenge Cup or aggregate scoring, but. It's an exciting challenge, and uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, get the victory tomorrow and then uh, move on to the semis. Brilliant. Thanks, Coops. Thank you. Adam, another successful weekend. Four points against the Five Flyers. Um, Friday night's game um, at the SSE Arena. You know what you're going to get from the Flyers. They always come out flying. There was no different uh, on Friday evening. Yeah, they came out well. Um, I thought they actually had the better chances there through some of the first period there, and then uh, we got one, and then it kind of turned the tide for us a little bit. Let us, uh, I guess, let us calm down a little bit. And then I think from the second, from the second period on, uh, we started to get back to our game and, and take over. Saturday was probably much, much of more than what you just said for regarding Friday. You were, they played really well in the first. We, you know, we played really well with a lot of good scoring chances in the second. Um, and just managed to pick the, the overtime shootout winner from JJ. Yeah, I think. Uh, Fife certainly came out hard again. Um, I think we were maybe a step below our pace as normal on that day. Whatever, for whatever reason, fatigue maybe set in on the day. Uh, it has been a long period for our guys. They've been playing down bodies and, uh, through the COVID period as well with a lot of games. So um, we're really happy that the fact that the guys found a way to get that one out in overtime. You took a couple of days off back on the ice this morning. Uh, big game tomorrow night. So, you know, a lot of success over the last few weeks with. Um, the league form, but you're turning your attention to the Challenge Cup tomorrow night against Coventry Bays. Yeah, you have to be able to turn your league brain off there and uh, focus on, on the second leg here of this Challenge Cup quarterfinal uh, or down a goal. But uh, we just need to worry about our own game. And I'm confident if we come in and play our, our top game, uh, we'll be okay here. And then using the injury front? Uh, Goody's still day to day. We'll make that decision here later today or tomorrow. Um, Looks like Cam May will be back, so uh, we're getting bodies back, which is a good thing. Um, and uh, obviously, we're still waiting on Darcy to, to, to heal up. Um, can you talk us through the um, entrance this morning from uh, Kieran Long on the ice? It's a tough break for him there. He forgot to take those skate cards off. It's a, it's a one. I've done it once before myself, so it's no fun. He was trying to play it down. Uh, I think he said he was doing it for the cameras. <laughs> CCTV footage says, "I'm working on it. Working on it. Need to see. Oh, don't worry, man. Come off. 
If I can get that don't you worry, it'll be plastered all over the place. <laughs> I, I didn't see it. I didn't get there in time. I had a meeting uh, at the arena this morning, um, so I didn't get there in time for the start of practice. But uh, um, I, well, I actually think I made it. Was it Gary who told me? No, it was uh, Taff that told me that um, he came on the ice and hit the deck. And, of course, you know, it's longer, so you've got to sort of take a mech out of him. Like, but... Um, <laughs> It's, it's, you know, it, I've done it before myself. It, it hurts, especially when you're not expecting it. And you sort of, you know, you sort of just jump onto the ice and, and try and start skating. And all of a sudden, your legs just give on the way under you. So it's, uh, he's a big boy as well. He's six foot two, six foot three. So he's a long way to go down. So I, I genuinely want to get my hands on that CCTV footage. Well, let's go to an eyewitness to the event. We'll go straight to the fan agenda. And joining us now, as I say, an eyewitness to the event, Mr. Mark Garside. So, how are you doing? Turn your phone around. Turn your phone around. Turn my phone around. On this right, side. Turn around 90%, 90 degrees, sorry. 90%. There we you're are. welcome. There we are. All right. That's very easy. So you were, right. you, were, you were an eyewitness to this event, Kieran Long, skate guard still on? No, I wasn't. I actually oh, no. went into the toilet right before he went on the ice. <laughs> I came out and he had like his hands, he hold his skate guards, you know, like out in his hands like this. He's just like, you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dear. Well, so how are things? Do we, momentum is high in the locker room. Two good wins against the Five Flyers. Atmosphere must be good. Yeah, I think we're on a bit. We're obviously on ten game winning streak, so uh, guys are pretty uh, pretty confident right now. Um, I'd say we probably wanted to. You know, our performance tomorrow is going to have to be better. I think than Saturday night. I think we're maybe a little bit fatigued then. But uh, we've had a couple of days rest now, so there's no reason why we can't continue. As these runs go on, does it get easier? Does it, or do, you know, do, do you get more confident? Does the game get easier to play because you're on such a, a high momentum run? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think sometimes when you, you obviously during the season you'll go through spells where you're playing better, and spells where you're not playing as good. It just if you want to win the league and win trophies and things, you you just have to make sure you you grind out the points. So when you're not playing well, which is kind of what we did on Saturday night, really. Um, so as far as things getting easier or you know or harder, it just depends on the night sometimes as well. You know you can go on a ten game win streak, but four of those nights maybe you don't play to your potential. But because we're quite tight defensively, it's we're picking up points. Let's let's talk defensively. Just before you came on there, Mark, we were talking about Jeff Baum, first year pro, and um, how the. Belfast Giants have kind of linked them up with the veteran of the team and yourself and, and developed a quite nice little relationship there that somebody you enjoy playing with. Yeah, no, he's obviously been really good. I actually think he's improved quite a lot since the start of the season. I think when he came in, he was, I think the way Adam wants him to play or wants us to play is like our decor is quite aggressive. He wants us skating forward quite a lot and shutting down plays early. Um, and, and as soon as he sort of got his mindset adjusted to that he, he's been superb he's he's obviously played some shifts on the power play recently as well and he he's quite a skilled guy but he keeps it simple as well which it's quite easy to read off when people are quite predictable like that you know he plays quite predictable whether he's got the puck and without the puck so he's, he's doing a really good job and he's improved a lot over the season gary you've you've played with a lot of giants um the last 11 years and you played with a lot of teams um, over those that period as well. Where do you fit this group of guys in um, for all nice contributions so far? Uh, good. I mean, obviously, like the 
the standards of the leagues kind of fluctuated quite a bit in that time as well. And the, the sort of roster size, it went up and up and up and then it's kind of went back down again as well. So I think before, before COVID, the roster size has got to a point where injuries didn't affect things as much because we had more players. Whereas now, if guys are out for a few games or weeks at a time, I think a few, you know, it'll, it'll affect any team really because you just don't have the same sort of roster size. But as far as the team's concerned, I think we have a really good group of players. We're definitely very talented going forward. We have obviously some guys playing with confidence that, you know, Pickenick and Conway and, and Goodyear are flying right now. Um, so as long as we can keep playing with confidence and keep it tight in our own sort of D zone and things like that, I think we can, we're up there with a chance, I think, of winning. You, you you talk about the decor. Um, obviously over the weekend you more or less the whole weekend you play with five guys and you just run it. And you know, I mean, I obviously I was up close and personal about the workouts on, on Saturday night because opening the door for you it was just rotating and rotating and rotating. There was nobody, you know, even for the short hand and the majority of the power play, which we didn't get many power play times anyway. But you just kept on rotating. It, it seems like you've got a very good chemistry with ever all the the decor. Yeah, I think that's right. But at a point in the season, though, we've played quite a number of games and we kind of all know each other's game. Um, but we're all playing the same way as well, the way that Kifos kind of got us playing. It's, we're all playing that way. So it's simple when we step on the ice, whoever we're with, we know what we have to do and where we have to go and reading off of the other D-man too. If we're all on the same page, it's, it's seamless when you, when you have to change the partners. Coming back to the the Davies question in regards to the the bomber and and you know you were once a first time pro two time rookie of the year but the you know you've got um I made reference to like so Josh Roach and Kendall McFall when 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 they were here and how these guys have come in for a first year pro and can actually hit the ground running really well okay bombers come in maybe at a slow start and has grown into the role is a lot better now but how difficult is it do you think for these guys coming from North America who are first year pros trying to find their feet? Um, I suppose it's probably a little bit nerve wracking in terms of like coming from college. A completely different environment into pro, you know, obviously there's obviously a lot of older players and stuff. But then at the same time, with, with the leagues that they're coming from, you know, especially Bomber coming from the NCAA, like he will probably would have played against guys that are going to play at a higher level in the elite league as well. So mm-hmm. I think it's probably just the different environment and the different way of thinking about things. It was probably, I don't want to say a shock, but it's just, you know, the difference between what he's been, been playing with the last three, four years. You know, as you see, once they get used to it, I think some of them can really, you know, they're obviously young and full of energy and stuff. And if they're smart enough to adjust, they can do really well in this league. Uh, go to Twitter for a couple of questions here, Gary. Uh, Aidan Quinn says, if you could add any previous Jan player that you've played with into this year's roster, who would it be and why? Ooh. Oh, I think the obvious one is Paddy Dwyer. He was lights out when he was here. Yeah. Like he was probably the best player that I've played with skill-wise and I think a lot of people didn't really expect him to be as talented going forward as what he was. He obviously played all those games in the NHL but he was a sort of third fourth line player but when he got here he was just you could see right away at practice and stuff his skill level was way higher than the elite league. <laughs> the uh, I've won from Stevie Thompson um, as, a, as the Giants have the hardest travel schedule league-wide how hard is it to prepare yourself for an away game with the amount of hours on the bus or the ferry or do, do you guys tend to struggle with the amount of travel? 
No, I, like our travel is not the worst in the league. I think that's a bit of a uh, misconception. Like when I played in Edinburgh, our nearest bus trip or our nearest game was three hours away on a bus, and we would play away the night before and play at home the next night. Often we'll just be flying. Uh, if we play two away games, you just fly in early in the morning. We'll get to the hotel, get the rest then, and then play. And then obviously we'll play somewhere close to that the day after. I think the tough games are the ones in Dundee and Fife because we're on the ferry. You're kind of away from six in the morning, um, and then you'll play that afternoon. The toughest ones are where you don't actually get to rest at the hotel in between traveling. But I would say. Even then, you just get used to it. Like, the first couple of times, maybe, you're kind of like, whoa, what's this? But, like, obviously, I've been doing it for 15 years now. I absolutely love going on the bus. It gives me a rest, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you, talked there, you talked there, Gary, about your you know, your time in Edinburgh and a couple of hundred games there, and, and like coming on for almost 600 games with the Belfast Giants. Did you ever think they'd be the kind of numbers you'd hit in the Elite League? And, like, what's the future? Only 32. Still plenty of years left in there yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I think when I was younger, you just sort of like, you just take every day as it is, you know? Whereas now that I'm older, especially once you start getting to about 30 years old, I always thought, like, after I come back from that long time that I was out injured, that I would like to play a certain amount of games for the Giants and things like that. So, um, so when, when I was younger, not so much, but now it's almost like a target, you know, trying to make it to the next milestone. <laughs> What is the next milestone? What's the one you've got your eyes on? Oh, about 3,000 games, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Go to 45. Yeah, I, I'll never, don't knock it. Like, you're still in good shape, like, so, you know, it's, um, <laughs> you only practice for 25 minutes a day, so you've got a chance. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, though, you, I wanted to say to you about um, the accents in the dressing room. Obviously, you've lost a couple of Scottish ones over the last couple of years. Um, hmm. Are the boys still, one. you know, and one, and was only, one was borderline no, Scottish. One <laughs> Scottish, and you don't know where they are, don't know where Shans came from. Um, but you know, it, in the locker room itself, and and you've got a couple of guys, um, well, a couple of younger guys around you, but there's a lot of experience in that dressing room. Um, you know, we've played at all different levels, and and with the one guy, who, sorry, who is the one guy that's really stood out for you this year from the from the group that we have? In terms of everybody. In terms of everybody. Uh, obviously, Collins and Peck have come in and, like, really let up offensively. But the, I'd say the one guy that's really been solid every game is Griff. He's just a Rolls Royce of a D-man. He reminds me a lot of, um, what do you call him? Jim. Jimbo Vandermeer. Jim Vandermeer, yeah. You know, like, without, without just the never ever things. looks panicked out there. Yeah. Really calm, big. Solid, doesn't lose his head ever. He's absolutely Rolls Royce of a team, man. I think he's really been really good for us. Just before you come on, we were, we're actually we we're talking about Griff. Um, he took his first penalty in Fife on Saturday night, the, the first penalty of the season, the two minute penalty, and it wasn't a penalty <laughs> either. Sure, wasn't? No, I can't believe that. That's, that's his first penalty. That's absolutely bananas. He, it's it's not like good. he doesn't hit anybody either. You know, he's going to be physical yeah. when he wants to be. He's just so composed, like, um. Never loses his head out there, so I guess, you know, and he's always thinking ahead as well, so he's never really reaching for anything or needing to hook or hold anybody, you know. He's been absolutely great for us. Well, you, know, you don't get drafted number four for just being on, a, on average player. Like. 
I, I, just, I just can't believe he never looks like he's skating and he never gets beaten a foot race. He's just got such a big long stride and you know, forward breaks and you think, oh, and then he just two or three big strides and he's just wheels in, takes it away. It's just a, a Rolls Royce, very good description. Uh, we've done the skate test at the start of the season. He was just, he got the big diesel engine out, didn't he? You know, it's not like <laughs> he's ripping away, but he's gone, you know, a good miles to the gallon the whole time he was gone. <laughs> I, I noticed that, and I noticed that on Friday night. Um, I actually think I made a comment on it. There was, there was a, there was a, there's a play. We were going in the second period. There was a play where the one of the five players had got in behind him, um, and he was just inside their blue line, and he caught him before he actually got the our blue line. And it's we scored from it. Just we scored from it. We might have scored from it. Scored. Yeah. But I mean, you just you touching that guy. It's literally it, it, he's always he's never out of position. Hope he's. No. I mean, I hope I haven't touched touch wood. Uh, you know, <laughs> literally. Hopefully, he doesn't. It doesn't. You know, scut him for for this weekend or tomorrow night. Uh, but uh, he just does look absolute quality, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good lad as well. I'm going to ask you just quickly because there are a few things here. Uh, maybe one more from Twitter to, to sort of wrap things up. But you, you had a taste. You, you've played with regards to Team GB in the World Championship. You played D1A. You played D1B. You played the Olympic qualifiers. But last term, you got that taste of the of the top top table. Uh, what was that like? And uh, do you have that taste to go back again? Um, it was really good learning experience. I obviously only played Russia and Sweden. Um, it was really interesting in terms of how you obviously want to see how you matched up against a lot of the, t- the teams, you know. Mm. And it was funny, like the I remember talking to Hooky about it, and we were you know, sort of saying, like, skating wise, like our team wasn't that sort of wasn't behind any of those teams skating wise. It's just that when those, especially I remember playing Sweden, like laterally with the puck, they were unbelievable. That's where they really are more talented, like. And the control they have over the puck and stuff as well was, it was a uh, quite quite something to play against. Um, as far as going back is, we'll see. Um, obviously, I have a family now and a, a working wife and things like that, so mm. it just depends on life at home and how busy I am right now. But it was a, it was a really good experience going away and, and playing those teams, like and obviously like seeing all the guys that I played with over the years, you know, your Davy Phillipses and your Dows and Ben O'Connors and stuff. So. Good crack as always, and it was really interesting <laughs> to see some of those teams. And even just watching, we went and watched Canada play America. It was, uh, yeah, I haven't been to watch like a probably a high level hockey game in quite a long time. A strange environment yeah. to play to watch that sort of a hockey game in as well. What's that? Sorry, a strange environment to watch that sort of a hockey game be played as well. Yeah, although I kind of got used to it though when we were in Nottingham, just not having yeah, any you're fans. Right. <laughs> Watched a few games and then went to Latvia and watched a few games as well. We were the only yeah. fans there. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. You were used to when you were in Edinburgh as well. What we're not saying about it. <laughs> I was trying yeah, to think of what we're yeah, That's what it was. A <laughs> um, couple more from Twitter. Teal Trooper just asked, do you have a favourite season that you've played? Ooh. I'd either have to be the second year I was here where we won the league or the, the, the year last where we won the league. Uh, obviously, the first league one is special. Yeah. Um, because I'd never been even close to this really until this, this season I came to Belfast, and then we missed out on by a point. So that whole year it was all about like we were really geared to winning the league, 
and by the time we came to the end, we won it on home ice and stuff. And that's the kind of stuff we remember, you know, winning it on your own rink in front of 5,000 fans. It was great. Yeah. I think the, sec- or the third time we won the league was special because the season before, I'd missed 10 months of it, basically. So I was coming back into it. And, you know, the old saying is, you know, you, you don't know what you're missing until you don't have it. And yeah. not, not playing for 10 months, it really re- made me realise like how much I enjoyed playing hockey and being in the room and, you know, all the camaraderie and stuff. And so that year, I think I just enjoyed playing more. And obviously winning at the same time made it really good. Well, you know, fantastic. And we have uh, one last question from Twitter, and it comes from a Davy McJimsey, who asks, uh, when is the next album coming out? I told you, it's sometime next decade. Like, we're in the decade that is next decade. So maybe like 20, 2029. <laughs> <laughs> The um, just stuff over the pandemic, and then obviously there was like lockdowns, and um, the guy I play with and record with, he also has a full time job and children, so it's kind of it's tough to fit the time in. You know, it takes it takes a lot of hours to make an album. You don't really realize until you do it once a week, and you're like, "This is going to take us ten years to make this thing." So ten years then. <laughs> The Beatles turned out like 20 albums in a week and a half, mate. Come on, you do better than that. I didn't get paid to do it though. <laughs> oh, well, fair enough. The, um, <laughs> obviously, this, obviously, in the next week, you've got three games you've got the Challenge Cup game against the Coventry Blaze at home to the uh, Cardiff Devils, and then you go back to Manchester where you were beating 3 0 the last time. Um, so there's quite a bit of challenge in the next next weeks or so how are you guys set um pretty good i think i know we've seen coventry and cardiff before i know we lost twice to cardiff but i actually think we controlled a lot of the games when we played them yeah. uh coventry we've seen they're a good team i think um the last time we played them, i think we ended up with like nine players on the bench so obviously it was a bit weird of a game so hopefully we can uh, pull that around on well tomorrow and Manchester, we know that they're going to be tough uh, in their own building. They're always tough, you know. I think I looked at the there was some stat online somewhere that they're the second highest, you know, points at home right now. Yeah. So obviously, going there is always a tough game. That that barn is just hilarious and challenging at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, I think we're we know what we're getting into now. We've seen these teams before. We know we're going to have to be at our best to to win those games and. Uh, I think if we train properly and prepare properly, we should be all right. Fantastic. Well, listen, mate, we really appreciate you joining us and uh, answering some of the questions and stuff. And uh, good luck in the next week. Thank you very much. Cheers, Gary. Big, big thanks Thank to you. Mark Garside. Um, always great having him on the show. Always good crack. Yeah. The, um, uh, do you know what? One thing I was going to ask him, and uh, it was last time he was on, we thought he was going to be captain. It was stripped off from Davy. Stripped off him, given the devastated. Is that when he was on the start of the season? Was he? I'm more yeah. devastated that this album isn't even in progress yet. I'm actually, I, I love that. <laughs> actually, you know, some it's Marmite, some people don't like it, some people do. I love that folk kind of music that he plays. It's, I, I have all his, I have all his songs. I have, uh, you can find them out there on SoundCloud and stuff. Actually, some of his music's actually really good, but um, in terms of the captaincy thing, like. I, I, I think it would have went well on his chest. Uh, you know, he's been here nearly 600 games now, and he, he's as steady as anything. We talked about him earlier there, about when he played up front, and he was the steadying influence between Kiefer and Lauder. And at the back, 
no matter who you put him out with there, he's just dependable, safe, chips it out, gets on with his business, passes it on, lets somebody else do the fancy work. He knows what his role is in that team. Simon tell you about how he, his etiquette of practice and stuff, you know, how, how focused he is there as well. So, you know, he does everything that a captain needs to do. So disappointed to see him losing that sea. I think it, it, it lasted for 15 minutes or something. I can't remember how long it lasted, but, uh, um, you know, he's always good crack to have on the show as well. He's a good yeah. lad. So really glad he's in help. Belfast and nowhere else. Really enjoy having them on. And thanks to everybody sending your messages with the fan agenda. Right, coming up in just a moment, we've got Chris Lovell standing by to chat to us about the Elite League Pride weekend. But before we get to that, uh, I want to just visit the Player of the Month Award for December, sponsored by Phonacab. You know right, it says? The, uh, with nearly 800 votes cast, uh, Jeff Baum and uh, Tyler Beskarani were unfortunately bit part players. JJ Pickenich, 35.5% of the vote. But with 49.4% of the vote, it went, of course, to our guest last week on the fan agenda. That was Tyler Soy. David, you're a happy man. Listen, and in and, and all seriousness, any of the four players, all four players were, were very valid nominees. JJ Pekinich had an outstanding December. Game-winning goals, uh, you know, first star of the game, crucial goals, power play goals, you know, five on five goals. He did everything. He makes that line tick. He's so good, so strong in the puck. I talked to you, Paddy, and, and coach on our other little WhatsApp about the 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 number 12 of the Belfast Giants, how how much of importance important players there's been that have wore the number 12 for the Belfast Giants. And I have likened JJ Pickens is the best number 12 since um Brock like I've I like JJ Pickenich can't see him being in Belfast next year. Get 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 golden handcuffs on if we can, but he's just got that ability to almost go wherever he wants to. He's he's so so good. But look, Tyler Soy, we got behind his campaign, we got in touch with North America, we got the votes in, and that's all I can say. So he's a 400 votes. Will I, I can guarantee if you go back through all the votes, there will not be very many <clears throat> player of the months have been won with more than 400 votes before. So, uh, you know, he, he was obviously well liked over the month of December. I say the boys call him Santa because of how well he delivered during that month. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh credit to him. And uh, JJ Pickett has just started January really, really strong. And, and we might have to get behind him in January. Simon, I did all right. <laughs> I'm out of bagel. I'm a couple more in a bagel. You get a dig in the bake as well. Anyway, you're yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. The, well. um, look, the, again, I still think that JJ had an absolutely brilliant month. Um, and, you know, so far, you know, he's leading the. I know there's certain people will argue with it, but he's leading the league in points. Um, and uh, he's been absolutely outstanding. But not taking anything away from Tyler, he had a really, really good month. And at the end of the day, he got more votes than, than anybody else. So congratulations to Tyler. Um, I, I'm. You know, I'm really pleased. He, he had a difficult start to the season. Um, you know, he touched on there's obviously a few things off the ice which uh, he couldn't really do much about, and and I'm just really pleased to see him really pick up the mantle in the last few weeks and and run with it. He scored a couple of important goals, and and hopefully he's going to have a really strong January as well on February on March. So, um, you know, long may it continue. But we're blessed with a number of really, really actually, you know, a hell of a lot of good players in this team this year. So um, hopefully there's another four different people battling for it this uh, month in January as well. And just that little bit of confidence that that'll hopefully bring the the Soyuz game as well. That the Tyler, you know, that 
the 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 accolade of being the player of the month will just boost him that wee bit more that he can you know just gain confidence all the time. Here, here, right, and a big thanks, of course, to Phonicab for sponsoring the award. Tyler Soy is your Belfast Giants Player of the Month for the month of December. Right, this weekend marks the uh, another one of the Elite League Pride weekends uh, for Belfast Giants. The Pride games will be Friday and Saturday, and it's showing how the, the Elite League are part and how the LGBTQ community are part and parcel of the Elite League, and we're desi- delighted to be joined by our good friend, a long-time listener to the show, and it's Chris Lovell. How are you, Chris? I'm not bad, Patrick. Thank you. You? Yeah. Is this the first time you've been on the show? Uh, yes. Yeah. It is. Well, you're, you're very welcome. He's very quiet, isn't he? Normally never shuts up. <laughs> I noticed he's I know, done his hair as well, Simon. I know what I was going to say. This is a face for radio, mate. <laughs> Mate, not do well we're off this for radio. I don't know why we started doing this. To be honest with you, yeah, so tell tell us, you know, uh, you know, from your perspective, how important is it that, that the, the elite league have this Pride weekend? Um, I think league wide, it's it's an important one on the basis that yeah, that, I mean, there's the tagline hockey's for everyone, but the words are kind of easy. Um, I think actions speak speak a lot higher. I mean, I think the driving force behind it, I think, is probably Luke, the, the media manager from the Elite League. Um, I can't imagine without him pushing it, it, it would have happened or certainly wouldn't be where it is now. Um, but I think it's important for people to know that no matter who you are, where you're from, that, that you can go to your game and cheesy, but it is for everyone. Chris, I know you and me speak a lot on whatsapp and stuff and we've talked about this and you're trying to educate me a little bit on it because with, with the greatest respect i come from and you know exactly where the, the the era we grew up in and the area we grew up in um and, and maybe i don't see the need for it as much as 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 the people who obviously i'm also disappointed i guess that it's two years since the last pride weekend and nothing's changed i kind of hope that there is no need for a Pride weekend next year or the following year. You know that something actually happens. We have this strap line that we talk about all the time in the land of the chance. Everyone is equal. Game for all, game for everyone. But are we doing enough as an organisation to actually put that into practice? I think the, the Giants probably do more than most. Um, and I think they need commended for that, especially if you think about, the, let's be honest, the country that, that we're in. Um, we're probably about 20 years behind most other normal countries. Um, and for them to stand up in the way that they do, I, I think speaks volumes about the people within the club because I've no doubt that it's coming from the very top. Um, have the club failed? No, I don't think they have. Um, not at all. I, I know you said that you're disappointed that it's two years on and nothing's changed. A lot has changed, not just within the club itself, um, but just in general, I think it, it's easier for, for people probably to come out now um, and and feel that they are welcome in, in spaces. And a lot of that comes from the fan base because we have a class fan base, let's be honest. A couple of tools, but nothing. Other teams don't. I'm probably one of them. I'm probably one of them. I'm probably one of them. To be fair, Paddy, you're the biggest troll on Twitter. But Twitter troll. No, the, the, the club hasn't failed. No, not at all. The fans in the club has excelled and their willingness in the environment in Northern Ireland to stand up 
and speak out for the LGBTQ plus other letters community <laughs> is is to be commended and it takes a lot of guts to be honest. Chris, uh, I've seen you posting before about um, about your experiences within the SSE arena itself and there's other people who've I've heard comments of people saying, oh, you know, they're getting, there's been this said and there's been that said. I've, I mean, and again, I, I've i been at that arena now for 21 years, 22 years, um, and I have never heard um, a slur or anything coming with regards to the LGBTQIA+, whatever it may be. Um, I've never heard anything of that. Is, is that the same experience for you, especially being a gay man? I've never, I've never experienced no, but generally that's probably because Big Mike's with me and he'd probably battle them to be honest. Um, but I, I've never heard it. I have heard of situations where it has happened to, to one or two people, but again, I would imagine that that's probably not from like your your season ticket or somebody who goes there a lot. It's probably a blow in who's there for the night to be honest, and. When I say one or two people, it's literally one or two occasions over the space of twenty years, and I think that that's a good thing because you're never you're never going to eradicate it. You're always going to have idiots who think that they can say what they want, do what they want. But for me, I've never had a problem. No, I mean, I, I, oh, sorry, you know, sorry, sorry, Dave. Um, I mean, I, I, I go out taxiing obviously for phone cab every once in a while, um, and I've definitely seen a change in. Um, in and around the Belfast area with regards to the people that get in my car from the LGBT community. Um, you see, you know, there, there's, I don't want to use the word confidence. There, there seems to be a lot more, as, as you said, acceptance nowadays than what there was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I think that's only common sense. And again, the, the world's changing. Hopefully, as Davey says, I, I absolutely agree with him. I hope there's there's a time in the very not, not so far future that, we, there's no need to basically step aside and say, right, this weekend is going to be a Pride weekend or this weekend is going to be that or this, whatever it may be. Um, and do you feel that, uh, being from Belfast, do you feel that's, that would be a valid point? Yeah, I mean, when I started going out years ago, what is my now, 34, so long time ago, like I wouldn't, for example, even even my parents, I wouldn't tell them where I was going because my dad would tell me, would be, are you going to a funny bar? No, dad, I'm not going to a comedy club. Like, <laughs> and and that was just the way it was back then, you know. And now I, I can I can go wherever I want essentially, and and it's it's never an issue. But yeah, Belfast a lot more accepting, um, which is ironic if you look back thirty years <laughs> that we're so accepting of things. Um, and I think it's I think it's I, I love it. Um, and I love going out, whether it's to um, Limelight, because Paddy loves a bit of Limelight, and um, Cranman, wherever it may be, just, I, you know, I'm confident. There are, there are other bars and clubs available where, you know, we just, there's... Uh, there are quite a few, quite a few. Case. Oh, there's more than one, absolutely. And hopefully it'll not be long, Simon, that there's a shiny new one in the arena. Here's hoping well. Again, there's, there's new, <laughs> news coming with that soon. Yeah, that's that's looking good. 
you know, obviously the Giants are come forward with they've got I think shirts that are going to be worn on Friday and Saturday, and they're doing uh, proceeds that will be going to the Rainbow Project. And hopefully, with regards to around the elite league, there's a lot more awareness and maybe a lot more celebration of it. I know, you know, we talk about celebration. I, I live in Manchester, and the Pride Weekend here in Manchester is tantamount to Christmas at times. But the uh, but hopefully, you know, the celebration and what it can bring and the awareness it can bring to to elite league fans and. And just create that that safe and, and good environment for, for the LGBTQ community in in the um, in the SSE arena and across the elite league. It's just an important factor. Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. I think. I mean, I hate praising clan fans because the, <laughs> the car for a start. But the year they did the the playoff, um, I think they 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 went for pride as the theme, and they just went mental. They went nuts. But then, I mean, there's nothing else to celebrate. But they don't win anything, like so. But it was that was kind of the start of it. So I think, yeah, the, the league's getting a lot better. Um, and I mean, I'm I could walk into any, any arena I want, um, and I, I wouldn't feel any sort of animosity apart from from probably opposition fans, but for a completely different reason. Yeah, and, and as Chris said, and, and I spoke to actually i think it was simon i spoke to about this earlier on i'm glad that there's that atmosphere that chris and, and any lgb person wants to go anywhere around this league that there should be that there's it shouldn't even be a thing i'm mates with chris because he supports the same team as me we have a passion i don't i'm not mates with chris because he's got a boyfriend i'm mates with chris because he loves the same hockey team that i love and our colours are the same. We wear our Belfast Giants logo on our breast, and we're happy, and we're we're pr- that's where our pride lies. And I don't mean that to to denigrate the pride movement, but my pride in the Belfast Giants is that that guy supports the same team as me, and anyone like him, and any of his mates are my mates because we support the same team. And I long for the day that we don't have to have a pride night at the Belfast Giants because we don't need it anymore. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I mean, you could argue that. Maybe it goes further than the Giants. It's not just about the Giants, and it's not just about the Elite League, because sport can can hit people who who aren't massive sports fans. You know, it'll be noticed. What the Elite League does over this weekend will be noticed, um, and if it changes perceptions even outside of the sport itself as well, then that's an added bonus. But no, I agree. Um, I long for a day that like we don't need pride. You know, we can have it just because it's it's good fun, but not because we actually need it to change things. And what, like, so, <laughs> this, this is getting, we're, we're almost, we've got to remember we're an ice hockey podcast here rather than making any kind of political statements or anything, but like, bar, like, painting a rainbow on your face or whatever, what makes it so much fun? I don't, like, genuinely, what, like, what is going to make this weekend's games against Cardiff and Manchester better because we're wearing a rainbow jersey? And I mean that with, respect like for me probably not that much because i'm quite confident in myself and as kitchy alluded to earlier i'm a bit of a mouth i didn't but say that you're not i mean you're not wrong i mean here I, but, i'll give you a virtual can we give you a virtual high five and is it going that way i don't know that way. but like that way. knock yourself out finish no, i don't like this um <laughs> But it, I mean, it's it's for the people who maybe haven't had the confidence 
to come out because it's a scary thing to do and I can tell you right now it is and explaining to people who have never done it and don't have to do it you can't explain the fear because you lose friends you lose family and if having a pride weekend gives somebody the confidence to you know to be themselves and not have to hide that's what it's all about and it's the fact that people still have to come out and it's still a big deal like look at Luke Popak I can't pronounce his name from the NHL and the fact that when he came out it went all around the world and the thing is like that's brilliant but why is it news shouldn't be shouldn't matter but it does and that's the thing and until that changes Pride's going to happen every year and what's so big about Pride fly over in the summer Davey and I'll take you to Pride down in Belfast and you can see because it's absolutely mental no, probably not going to take you up on that but uh, thank you didn't think you would but the offer's there <laughs> I the offer's know, certainly I, there and I appreciate it as you know I do but listen Chris we really appreciate you coming on obviously the Proud Weekend is as much about education as it is about anything else and about you know, having that sort of safe space and showing that the LGBTQ community are as part of being ice hockey and, and the Belfast Giants as anybody else and we look forward to it as I said you know, there's the shirt off the back uh, which are the pride shirts and, and donations going to the uh, to the Rainbow Project, and we really appreciate you joining us, mate. Not a problem at all, mate. All the best, fellas. Thanks, Chris. Cheers, mate. Big thanks to Chris Lovell. Always great. Well, I say always great to have him on. That's his first time on. I thought he spoke very, very well on that. And like I say, we'll come back and you know advertise that more when we talk about the games shortly. What we're going to do is we're going to have a bit of the news. And obviously, Joel's not with us because he's at the uh, the County Antrim Shields final. I don't know, does anybody know what the score in that is? I'll have a wee look here. You have a wee I look did. while we hear the news from Joel. Good evening, boys. Here's a quick look through your scores and news across the EIHL this past week. Uh, in the Premier Sports Elite League, last Wednesday, the Cardiff Devils continued their campaign behind closed doors with a 5-3 victory over the Manchester Storm. Former Belfast giant Curtis Hamilton found the net twice in the first period and the game was poised at 4-3 with 10 to go before a Cardiff empty netter sealed that one. On Friday, your Belfast Giants got their four-point weekend underway. Uh, with a 4-1 win over the Fife Flyers at the SSE before that OT victory in Kirkcaldy the next night. Elsewhere on Saturday, the Guildford Flames continued their slump, falling 4-3 to the Nottingham Panthers at the Spectrum in the visitors' first game without head coach Tim Wallace. More on that in just a minute. The Panthers were down 3-2 in the final period before finding their equaliser in the 46th minute and their winner in the 56th, uh, but they found a way to grab the points. Cardiff made it a four-point weekend with a 6-5 road win against the Storm on Saturday in a home-and-away doubleheader, lifting them into second place in the standings with 35 points from 25 games played. Crucially, they've played four more games than the Sheffield Steelers in first place and your Belfast Giants in third. And on Sunday, the Flyers completed their third game in three nights, losing 4-2 in Nottingham to the Panthers, who secured a much-needed four-point weekend of their own. The Flyers took only one point from their weekend in that OT defeat against Belfast and are still stuck outside of playoff territory in ninth alongside the Glasgow clan, who took another wee weekend off. The Sheffield Steelers needed OT to find a way past Guildford at home in their only game of the weekend. Wojtek Polak's winning goal on the par play, his first at home. Uh, it's well worth a watch back if you go and check those highlights. It's a, it's a peach from the right circle. In the aftermath, the Flames earned themselves no less than 32 minutes worth of abuse of official penalties. Uh, that came from uh, protests around the tripping call on Brett Ferguson that led to that par play OT winner. The Flames are now without a regulation win in seven and have slumped to fifth in the standings from an early second. 
And the Coventry Blaze absolutely shellacked the Manchester Storm by eight goals to three at the Sky Dome on Sunday evening. Storm coach Ryan Finnerty made reference to, quote, some stuff going on that they need to take care of that's far more important than this result in his post-game interview. So watch that space. That's your scores and in your news this week, uh, there's still no Dops to report this year so far. So well done to everybody up and down the league for keeping it clean. Um, as, as I'm sure you've already chatted about and as I've already referenced, Nottingham Panthers head coach Tim Wallace was relieved of his duties the day after last week's AVFTB, AVFTB excuse me, recording. Mark Matheson and Stephen Lee will take up the coaching reins on an interim basis and Panthers director of hockey Guy Doucette said, we've had a run of extremely disappointing results and in a results-based business, the time had come to make a change. We're now looking to bring in a new head coach, which along with new signings and the return of key players from injury, will get us back on track to be a competitive team every single match day. Elsewhere, Zach Sullivan will play his 400th EIHL game as the show is being recorded tonight, Tuesday night. Uh, interestingly, against the Glasgow clan, uh, the team that he played over three quarters of those games with. Sullivan said, to do it in Glasgow where I made my EIHL debut is special. I still know a lot of people up there. I hope the clan fans forgive me when I say that I'm a Storm player now and we're looking for the two points tonight. Personal achievements aside, it's always about the team first. Congratulations to Sully on his 400th game. Uh, COVID protocol. Yay. Following last week's show, Ice Hockey UK's Chief Medical Officer Dr. Matt Robbins addressed the EIHL's mysterious COVID protocol in an interview with Luke Fisher. You can find that video on the Elite League website and again it's well worth going and, and spending 10 minutes of your time uh, listening to that chat. Dr. Robbins stressed that no two situations are the same, that teams are spread across the four jurisdictions of the UK and that things have gotten much more complicated since the EIHL streaming series during lockdown. And the clear message from the interview was that the COVID protocol is a set of guiding principles similar to what the IIHF and the NHL have in place and not a rigid set of rules. Have a great, so a great show, gentlemen. I'll see you soon. Uh, happy birthday for yesterday, says, And that's your news, Patrick Smith. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joel Neal. Um, is Joel a happy man at the minute? Joel's a happy man. 1 0 to the Harbour Rats. They retained their county Antrim Shield, so the bin lid goes back to North Antrim. That big bin lid heading back up to Mid Antrim. Mid Antrim. Mid Antrim. Um, the, the main key thing from this from that, uh, that load of news, I have to say, is Tim Wallace. Now, we spoke last week about after we destroyed the Panthers and about how difficult it was for Wallace and, and, and for Guy Doucette, but that the team that was put on the ice was probably an expensively put-together team that was being, in my opinion, in opinion of some, badly coached, badly, badly, badly run. And and some of the, and within a couple of days, Tim Wallace is out of a job. Um, from my point of view, Guy Doucette certainly has a lot of questions to answer also. But, you know, I guess you know, the first person that's gone is the coach. What are your thoughts on that, Davey? Um, generally in sport, coaches get hired to be fired. Very, very few coaches start in a job and walk away from it uh, in, a, in a positive light. Some do, some go on to bigger and better things. But generally, when things hit the skids, the coach is the first one to be looked at. You've you've referenced there, Patty, that that was probably a quite expensively assembled. They've said themselves they were spending the cap and above probably. So, you know, it was an expensively enough assembled squad in terms of equally as expensive, if not more so, than Sheffield, Cardiff and Belfast. You know, they're the four people they referenced in that interview. Guy Doucette and Tim Wallace put that roster together. Together, You know, I've seen an awful lot of people on Twitter saying it's a disgrace that Tim Wallace is gone. Um, you know, Guy Doucette recruited this team and gave it to him. Uh, 
that's not what they said in, in joint and tandem interviews that they did online at the time when Tim Walls came in after the uh, Elite Series. They said they were going to recruit this roster together. So Tim Walls and Guy Doucette re- recruited this together. Neil Black has taken an awful lot of stick, a man that has bankrolled that club um, for, for many, many years. There seems to be a little bit of a stench out of Nottingham even more than usual for us guys, you know, and, you know, things aren't well there. The, the gas Tim Wallace and bring Mark Matheson in was probably the easy option at this stage because it was it was kind of, he, he was there. A lot of people were already saying, you know, when Tim Wallace goes, Mark Matheson was the obvious one to step in and, and take the reins. I think Stevie Lee's maybe <clears throat> still out injured, so, you know, good for him Just to step in. To help out on the bench there as well, keeps him really, really involved in what's going on. They'll probably go after. There's an opportunity now, I guess, for them to, to sort of see this season through. I don't think they'll bring in a head coach before the end of this season. And they said that the search is on for a head coach, but you would imagine that Malthusen will see this Give season it to the end of the season. Yeah, I, I don't see the, the the requirement to try and bring someone in at a halfway stage or or past in the season. They'll, they'll probably stick with that. There, there's maybe a root and branch, you know, clear out that the Panthers needed. Sadly, we talked about Gary Moran passing away last week. The coach is gone. Could the head of hockey operations go as well? New broom, sweep clean, and start that franchise from the bottom up because there's something not right there in, in terms of the Nottingham Panthers that, again, and historically, come Christmas, you know, we, we have laughed about it over many years in this. As the Christmas decorations are coming down, the Panthers are going down the league at the same rate. And it's just something that's happened. And, you know, I know we mocked about the, they've won the league championship once since Carnation Street started on the TV. You know, <laughs> I, I know we jest and all about that, but a team with the, the fan back and the financial back and the arena they have should be winning more regular season championships or at least putting together more regular season runs at championships. They've done really well in cups. They've done really well in playoffs. Take nothing away from them. Would you swap the few championships we have had for a few championships they have had? That's a nice debate to have, but you know, I think that Matheson will probably get that to the end of the season and they'll, they'll try and have a push at the playoffs. Paddy, and sorry for jumping in. I mean, you you love having a wee word about the Manning and Panthers. What's your view <laughs> on the whole thing? Me, Simon? Um, I wasn't surprised that Tim Wallace got like you know, I, I said it last week. He was he was hired from the from the from the MK Lightning thinking they were going to get the Tampa Bay Lightning, it just wasn't working, you know. The, you look at the uh, what was he, what was the guy behind before him who came in? There was uh, the through the Rick Shernamaz, Rich Shernamaz, and he came in with a big big reputation and it didn't work again. And then that was and then Wallace came up and it, and I agree totally agree with David. There's a root and branch sort of issue there that they have to go in and investigate and try to see how they can create uh, not a brand new franchise. The betting is there, and I th- I'm. I was listening to the Cats Whiskers podcast there that, that they brought out after the uh, second of Tim Wallace, and I was quite shocked to hear some of the stuff they were saying about Neil Black and some of the po- they were pointing a lot of pointing of fingers at the fact that maybe he was focusing more on the Glasgow clan and you know, or maybe he wasn't you know but maybe his heart's not in it the investment's not in it would he sell the club it's it's a, you know be careful what you wish for in situations like this mm-hmm. because Neil Black has funded that club probably at a loss for what was a decade now maybe more definitely more 15 20 years and 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 has gained success and yes 
you've sacked your you've sacked your coach and maybe there's a little bit more I, I get the feeling in Nottingham there is quite a bit of input from the blacks from from Neil and from Freddie uh, as to you know what to say certain decisions are made and you know maybe that isn't a good thing but you know that's that it's their club to run as they see fit and they have done it successfully they, there was no talk it's like all due respect to the Manchester United fan on the panel and, and then the Manchester United fans around the world. But when things are going well, there's no talk about the Glazers. When the things are going badly, then it's you know, Glazers out. And it's the same in this. It seems to be the case that you know, things have gone badly and it's fingers are being pointed at Neil Black. You need to sell the club. You're not giving us enough money. You're the... You know my feelings on how you know budgets are not what you need to talk about. You know, you get your budget, you buy your players, and you play the season. That's it. You don't sit in the stands and say we're not paying players enough. What the players are getting played is inconsequential. You can pay a bad player a lot of money; he's still a bad player. It doesn't change that fact. Neil Black has done a hell of a lot for the Nottingham Panthers, and probably will continue to do so. To get rid of him is not going to change your fortunes. What you need to do is you need to have the root and branch investigation as to how you're going to bring in the right guys. Guy Toussaint has a lot to answer for here. He seems to have got away a little bit scot-free by getting rid of Tim Wallace and, and moving and moving in um, Mark Matheson. I think, well, I think Guy Toussaint should be looking over his shoulder because the players are on the ice are not fit for purpose. I think it's interesting that they got rid of Tim Wallace just before a run of seven games against Scottish teams and Guildford. So they're probably going to go on a successful run under Matheson and it's going to be seen as a, a, a plaster. They're saying that, that this, this, you know, that our fortunes have changed now and give Matheson the job. But like Oli Solskjaer in that respect, is he the right guy to take the job going forward? Well, if he goes on a short run, will they put a contract in front of him? Well, he's only playing the Scottish sides, with all due respect to them, and then moving on to Guildford and, and Guildford in there as well. So, it's an interesting thing. It's an entertaining thing because you're seeing the the, the the fan meltdowns that are going on left, right, and center is hilarious on social social media. And it's not like me to jump on it, but uh, I do enjoy that. But uh, but yeah, what about you, Simon? What are your thoughts on it? I mean, both of you just touched on there about the um, certain people having a go at Neil Black. I don't see a people. I don't see a bunch of of uh, people with a lot of money queuing up behind them to take over the Nottingham Panthers. Um, you know, there's only 10 teams in this league um, and anybody that puts their own money into an organization or, you know, whether it's a company or whether it's an individual. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if they're putting their money into an organization, they can do as they wish with regards to how much money they put in. Um, anybody that says that, that there's not enough money being pumped into the Nottingham Panthers, they need to have a look at themselves. You know, they've been about for a long, long time um, and they'll, I, but I, I don't want to say hopefully will be because you know I have no love for the Nottingham Panthers. But if if the, if there's no Nottingham Panthers, if there's no need black. There's that potential that there's no Nottingham Panthers because if he's not going to invest in that club, where are they going to get the money from? That means it's down to nine teams. If it's down to nine teams, and and our friends in Glasgow then, Simon, hundred percent. So it could be down to eight teams. You know, if Need Black wakes up tomorrow morning and says I've had enough of it all, I'm just going to basically wipe my hands off it and I'll go and sit in my apartment in New York. What's going to happen then? However, I really don't care what's happening outside of Belfast. I've said it before. I honestly have no love for anybody, but I do agree with you. You know, it, it should be about what's happening on the ice, and they haven't been good enough this year. Now, whether it's Tim Wallace's fault, whether it's Gita Sat or whoever it may be, it's, it's absolutely irrelevant. We're sort of having a bit of a laugh and a joke against the Nottingham Panthers at the minute. 
And you touched on there, you know, the, actually I've just looked at the, at the score tonight. They beat Guildford 4-2 in the first leg of the, yep. of the cup tonight. So they beat the five flowers at the weekend 4-2. Yep. You know, there's nothing to stop them going on a, on a bit of form here and trying to pick up a few wins. And that's this league. It's a professional team. And all these teams in this league can beat any other team at any given time. So let us concentrate on what's happening here in Belfast and, and see what happens after it. But if they do go on that run... It'll be looked at Mark Masson to say, you know, you've went on that run where Tim Wallace is sitting at home thinking, well, I could have went on that run. It's exactly the same team playing exactly the same or relatively similar systems. Why wasn't I given that opportunity to turn it around against opposition that we should have been that we should have been beaten? He was, you know, he was shellacked by the Belfast Giants, but we've shown that the Belfast Giants are currently 10 points ahead of the Nottingham Panthers. You would expect that Belfast Giants to beat you in that. So... Don't get me wrong, I don't think Tim Wallace did a good job and I'm not surprised that he was fired, but I am surprised that he was fired without giving him that sort of, okay, we're up against Fife and and uh, Glasgow and and, you know, and um, Guildford, so you've got three games to turn it around. But, you know, you see those interviews with like Guy Doucette and the, the one that was put out by the Nottingham Panthers, it felt like Neil Black was in the room watching him and he was trying to say things very, very carefully. Yes. Again, anyway. I just I said it a couple of minutes ago there. I don't, don't really care. care. <laughs> I I only care because I find it entertaining, Simon. I only care. I know you I, do. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. Uh, and I'll give you a big thanks to Joel for recording that for regards to the news and congratulations to Lauren on picking up the County Anthem Shield. Um, right, quick look ahead to the fixtures. Uh, Simon's got a bit of a week off. Uh, because Aaron Murphy's coming in. Um, Belfast Giants against Coventry Blaze on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock in the Challenge Cup second leg. Giants are a goal behind. Um, and then Friday against the Cardiff Devils in the league, their first visit to the SSE this season. And then we travel over to the uh, Planet Ice Altrincham to face the Manchester Storm on Saturday. Earlier on today, I had the opportunity to chat with our good friend, Mr. Aaron Murphy. Mr. Aaron Murphy, how are you? I'm good, Patty. How's things? Happy New Year. Are we still ha- saying Happy New Year? I guess we are to people we haven't seen. I, I, I think so. But then that could go on all the way to the summer if you don't see people for a long time. But let's just say that. Happy New well, Year. Well, I'd you. hope that I would see you before the summer. So th- this is this is Happy New Year and hope all is well with you guys. Absolutely, mate. And you. Um, obviously, we're chatting to you because it's a big weekend for, for Premier Sports and the Belfast Giants. You'll be you'll be covering twice this week, um, giving Simon a bit of a week off, which I'm sure he's happy with. But uh, you know, well, he just had a birthday, right? So I, I think Siz is celebrating a birthday. Happy birthday, Siz. So it's our Hello. gift to you. <laughs> you can have a night off and come and come and hang out after. Uh, the um, We'll come to those games shortly. But how's the coverage going this season? You know, obviously, Premier Sports have taken on sponsorship of the league and, and, and things like that. And the, and the coverage has been going great guns all through the season. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun, and I think we've we've tried to add some elements. Unfortunately, you and I talked off camera a moment ago. We've had a little bit like every league. The NHL, no one's been untouched. The Spengler Cup was, was postponed for the second year in a row, which I really missed this Christmas period. But we've had three games postponed, and the problem with that is we we have it in the contract that we only go to each building so many times. So if anyone's wondering, oh, well, you couldn't go to Glasgow, why didn't you go here? Well, we have to be careful because we also want to capture a title win somewhere down the line. So we don't want to use all of our games in every building before Christmas or, or before New Year's because, say, the Giants win the title and they win it in Nottingham. But we can't go to Nottingham because we've already been there as many times as we're allowed to be there. So we have to be careful. So that's why uh, there's an extra game this week in Belfast because we're making up one of our postponed, uh, one of the COVID games 
uh, because of COVID protocols. We're, we're making up one of those games Wednesday, and it's our first Challenge Cup game uh, against Coventry at the SSE Arena. So that's why there's two in Belfast this week. So we're trying to uh, plug holes and move the thing along. I have to say, though, uh, fair play to, to Luke and Mike Hicks and everyone at the Elite League. I, I can only imagine we're just trying to move around three games. They're moving around games almost daily uh, before Christmas. So fair play to the Elite League for keeping things moving along. And for the NHL, I know there's been 90 postponements or rearranges. We've had about 70 of those on Premier Sports 1 and 2. And I can tell you what, there were times over Christmas where all I wanted was a, a bottle of Moosehead or a Molson Canadian, and all I was getting was emails from the NHL. So it's been a strange <laughs> time for everyone. But the, the coverage, look, it's been good. But we're right now – dealing with COVID stuff, which I think we all thought we might have been past when we when we started the season. But, you know, uh, as soon as you think you're out, it drags you back in. But, look, we're, we're doing our best, and that's why there's two games in, in Belfast this week. I'd say you, you're absolutely right in the, the way that the schedules have been devastated right across the hockey world. You, you, you mentioned the Spenger Cup, the NHL, the World Juniors having to be cancelled as well. And the, and what we're having now in the, in the Elite League is – I agree with you. Credit is due to everybody behind the scenes who are rejigging these schedules because you look at the likes, I know we spoke off camera about, about the Glasgow clan and you know, they've only played around 15 games of a 54-game season. And, you know, it's going to be so, – their schedule is going to be so tightly packed coming in the running. It's very difficult to see how the league are going to try to, to move that because it's not just about the, the, the guys playing the game. It's about the availability of the, of, of the places to play the game itself. Oh, referees too, right? Referees, not just the players that have had COVID protocols. So there's so many moving parts. So I would imagine whenever Mike Hicks sees my name pop up on his iPhone that he's, he doesn't want to talk. But in fairness to Mike Hicks and everyone at the Elite League board, everyone has sort of mucked in and tried to help out as best they can and said, you can come here, you can come here. Um, but we really do need to be mindful. The Elite League still is. The, the main thing is the league. And we want to capture the league. So we, we can't just keep going to the same building every week because other games are postponed. So it's been of a juggle. We hope that people uh, can be patient. We're trying to be patient. I mean, I wanted to be in Glasgow last Sunday. I wanted to be in Fife, I believe, January 2nd. I wanted to be in Dundee December 22nd. But these things were out of our control. We got in a game in Nottingham on December 27th, which was a, a sold out game. And we tried to uh, pay respects to Gary Moran. So there's been there's been so many things that have been going on. Um, you know, and when you wake up that morning on December 27th, I saw the phone ringing and it said Mike Hicks and I had just landed at uh, Birmingham and I thought he's calling to tell me that now the Nottingham game is off and I've flown over for, for no reason. And when he told me the reason he was calling, it was the news, sadly, about Gary Moran. And that put things in perspective for me. I go, it's just a hockey game. There's more important things. And so. I had to refocus on how we paid tribute to to Gary Moran and his passion for the for the Panthers. So, look, you ask about the coverage. I mean, I, I we did it in Fife once as well for Toby Craig, the, the official. His his uh, his partner's son passed away in a road accident, I believe it was, and we 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 wanted to pay tribute there. So, I think we've tried to include everyone, good good, bad, and 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 sad. And this is a show I've always thought, whether it's free sports or Premier Sports, this is about the fans as well or the people around the game. So hopefully the coverage has paid respects where needed and brought some smiles where needed too. Yeah, and you, know, you mentioned that game between with Sheffield and, and Nottingham in Nottingham just after the sad passing of Gary Moran. I watched that I watched that myself and I thought you guys did a, did a great job, especially you know, considering how you know, how quickly it happened and the game that you know, was to happen that day. And no better man to be stood beside you to talk about Gary Moran at that time than, than Paul Eddie. 
Yeah, and Paul got choked up. You forget how long he goes back in Panthers folklore and that includes Gary. And you look up down to our left and you see Paul's uh, number 22 retired. Gary was a big part of that. Gary organized uh, Paul 80's testimonial. So he got choked up. He went down on the ice then as well. Um, he had to run back up and I teased him about that to try and get him to smile because he was out of breath. But Long way up, long way back up. Oh boy, he was sprinting too because he was afraid he'd miss a goal and I'd be looking for someone to analyze. Maybe he was worried that uh, Chris Ellis would steal his job. I don't know. But um, <laughs> we, look, I I find those things hard. I knew Gary not as long as, as, as Paul is, but when Paul got choked up, I almost got choked up. But like you think about the family and you want to pay respects. Um, so... I just hope for the rest of the season, the game's more about smiles and stuff, but we're happy to pay tribute to anyone. But certainly for me, uh, I look forward to these two games of Belfast for the action on the ice and not for, for sad news off the ice. Well, let's, let's come to those. Obviously, the game against the Coventry Blaze coming up uh, in the Challenge Cup, the Giants are behind in that one. And then what is going to be the first visit of the Cardiff Devils to the SSE Arena on Friday. Two pretty big games in this season. Yeah, I think uh, Kiefer will tell you he always has a circle around that Challenge Cup, right? Because that was one of the big titles he, he won uh, when he first started coaching, when he hung up the blades in the captain's sea. So they're down 3-2 on aggregate. So I, I don't think that that's anything to worry about. It's basically win a hockey game on home ice. But the Blaze have been plucky for everyone this year. Um, I think Kiefer will be pretty confident that they can overturn that 3-2 deficit. So it's a nice one for us to weigh in on our first Challenge Cup game. Of course, the final will be on Premier Sports. I'm really looking forward to Friday as well. Um, I mean, you look at the standings. Yes, Cardiff have played four more games than both Sheffield and Belfast. But, I mean, for Cardiff, it's just win, baby, right? Just keep winning. Don't worry about the math of games in hand and all that. And Paul Eddy always says games in hand, they're only as good as what you do with them. You could lose all four of those games if you're Belfast or Sheffield. So Cardiff will be coming in thinking just win. Uh, if you're Belfast, you're thinking, boy, we haven't lost in 10 now. Let's keep that going. And if they can win Wednesday and overturn the deficit on aggregate, they'll have some real good momentum coming into the Friday league game. But I think it's also a chance to throw down a marker. Let's let's be honest. The Giants and the Devils, they don't like each other much. And that will continue no matter what the personnel is on the ice. So a first visit, yes. But I, I, I think that's going to be a tasty, uh, a tasty matchup on Friday night. Absolutely. Well, give us a rundown then, Murphy. You know, it's uh, yourself, Paul, and Caitlin, I believe, this, these two games. Uh, Wednesday, Caitlin will be in Belfast. Yep. So for the Challenge Cup game, uh, we're on air 6.30 Wednesday, Challenge Cup quarterfinal action, of course. Um, myself, Paul Aidy will be back in his old stomping grounds where he won a league title. Uh, and Caitlin yep. will be rinkside. Friday, Chris Ellis will fly in on his uh, private jet um, <laughs> tag off with Caitlin. And that's 6.30 as well as league action continues on Premier Sports. Cardiff visiting the SSE Arena. I'm trying to, to juggle a lot. I've got the Champions Hockey League as well. Yeah. Pro London trying to overturn a deficit. So I've got a lot of math in my head. You'll have to excuse me, Patty. But, yeah, no, two good games. And I, it's not just because I'm talking to you and it's a view from the bridge. You know I love my trips to the SSE Arena. I love to see Sizz. I love to see Taff. I love to see you when you're there. It's just a good vibe and a good buzz, and I just look forward to getting back. And it's nice to have two games this week and get back in with uh, – jump back in with both feet, so to speak. And uh, it's two tasty matchups. I mean, I know the quarterfinals, it's a lot sexier in the semifinals and the final of the Challenge Cup, but it's a 3-2 deficit, so the Giants have some work to do. So the storylines over both those games are are, are incredible for, for the viewer and for the uh, Giants and Blaze and Devils fans. So hopefully we can do it justice. 
Thanks, man. Well, listen, fantastic. We look forward to the coverage, and, and thanks for joining us as always. No problem, Patty. Anytime. It's always great to have Aaron Murphy on the show. He was really busy today preparing not just for the trip up to Belfast on Wednesday, but the uh, but the um, the Champions Hockey League game between Rugla and, and Frölunda. Um, if you're interested, Frölunda got beat. Rugla, Rugla. Um, Excuse me. Rugler have gone through and they'll meet either Tabra or Red Bull Munich in the final of the Champions Hockey League. That, that game is yet to be played. But listen, on that thank big thanks to Aaron Murphy for his time. Um he's previewed those two games on Wednesday and, and Friday pretty well. So I'll not put you gents through it because I know how much you enjoy it. Um what I will say is Manchester is on Saturday. Um yeah. if it doesn't go well, you two boys will hear all about it on uh WhatsApp. Uh, but one bit of news that came through for that is that Matt Ginn will not be uh, icing this weekend for the Manchester Storm. He's re-aggravated the injury that he had. Uh, he did play on New Year's, New Year's Eve, I think, um, but he re- he's re-aggravated, re-aggravated the injury and he won't be playing on Saturday against the Belfast Giants. Um, Jason, oh, I can't remember, is it Baka, Baka Shihua? I can't remember. Sounds that. about right, man. Is that about right? You'll have to say it in a few weeks, anyway. But uh, he's been um, he's had his contract extended with the Manchester Storm, who uh, tonight I'll just have a, oh, this tonight being Tuesday. Three one Glasgow. We're beating three one, but in Glasgow and uh, Nottingham Panthers, I think, have won four two in the Challenge Cup that was played tonight. Those games, Wednesday night, 7pm at the SSE Arena and on Premier Sports. And on Friday night, the Cardiff Devils come uh, for their first visit of the season. And that is uh, at 7pm on Friday at the SSE Arena. Get down there. And if you can't, then it is also with Paul and uh, Murph and Chris Ellis on Premier Sports. And Saturday's game, 7pm in uh, It's going to be that good. I think it is going to be that good, Simon. It's going to be uh, the Saturday's game is against the Manchester Storm at Planet Ice Aldringham uh, at 7pm and on Storm TV, where I think it, the commentary might be done by our good friend John O'Bullard. Um, any other business, gentlemen? I've just got one really quick bit. I know every week, and it goes without saying that I wish little, not so little anymore, 14, 13, 14 year old Blake, all the very best. He's come through his surgery and all that. And absolutely love and prayers to him. But I'm going to give a shout out to his mum this week. She has been in London from whatever it is, August. 28th August. Sleeping beside a hospital bed. I don't know what the setup is for her, but she must be exhausted. And the all the mums out there and the dads, this is this is a this is a trying time to look after these kids and all. But like absolute props to her. That must be so draining and unfulfilling and just so I know it's your kid and you you're you're putting everything in. But I'm kind of lost for words what to say, other than as a bit of a shout out to Christine. Hope you're doing well and lots of love from us here at the podcast. Absolutely, hundred percent. Anything from yourself, Simon? I just want to say a big thank you to um, One Stop Mortgage Shop, um, oh, a yes. long-time sponsor of the Giants. They sponsored, they agreed yesterday to sponsor We Kel Beatty and Max Stewart. And it's all stemming from uh, Jonathan Robb, who's uh, one of the guys at the at, um, One Stop through his son plays for the Giants, and he's watched the kids grow up. And Sorry, Junior Giants, my apologies. Um, and he's watched the kids grow up, and he just wanted to come on and, and uh, show the support for the younger boys and the local boys in the team, so they've agreed to sponsor until the end of the season. So massive thanks to 
One Stop Mortgage Shop and all the other sponsors that we have. Um, like a high seat or something? Um, I, I think they're getting um, um, a three-bedroom apartment in the Algarve sort of each, so um, <laughs> sounds about right. Um, wouldn't hold much hope about that. But uh, And again, another massive thank you to Edge Coffee who are coming in on Thursday morning to uh, feed the boys um, after uh, well Wednesday night's games practicing. Uh, optional practice on Thursday morning, so thanks very much. To, to Will you make it down to well. practice? Will you make it down to practice on Thursday? All right, I, I reckon I'll be there for about half seven in the morning. But thanks very much. <laughs> just, uh, just one more point that you that you've mentioned, Mac and Keller and the Hamels. Congratulations to them on being selected to the eighteen TGB squad that will yeah. be going to the World Championships in April. That's a that, that you know says that's fantastic for the boys. Listen, it, if you look through that um, that whole roster um, and look where the guys, the kids come from, mm. there's four Belfast-born kids in the GB's under-18 setup. There's one ice rink in Northern Ireland on the whole island, um, and it's absolutely incredible that four under-18s have made that group um, coming out of one small rink and not playing many games throughout the season. It just goes to show that. The, the quality of coaching that they're getting um, from Stewie and I know Johnny's in there. Mark Morrison's been involved a long way. You know, there's a lot of guys that they need to thank. And, and the, uh, David, you're touching on the, you know, Christine there for um, for Blake and Co. The parents of these kids need a massive, oh, yeah. massive oh, yeah. pot in the pack as well for the amount they're running about <clears throat> uh, that um, they have to do to get them 100%. You really? know, I know that I know that um, Pat Taff was telling me about Kel. The last trip Kel had to Sheffield. Um, his mum drove him the whole way over Kel more or less stepped in the car the whole way and then drove him the whole way back to Dumfries for a Solway game and then back she drove back to Belfast um, via the ferry from Stanline. So look it, it's, mate, you know you know from your day, Belfast to Sheffield isn't a short drive. No, that's that's absolutely must be what at least five and a half, six hours. Easy. Um and it's a you know, it's not just about that, David. You know, that it it's it's I'm more concentrating on, on such an achievement for those four boys to be getting to that level, and again, there's another one there. The young girl is it Ellie Patrick got selected for the um, the under I want to say under 18 GB girls. I know Caitlin Morrison's played before, I don't, I don't think she made the trip this year, but I think Ellie Patrick made the game uh, for the under 16 girls, sorry, under 18 girls as well. That's an absolutely phenomenal achievement, and they should be very, very proud of themselves. And, and again, the whole junior setup should be very, very proud of themselves as well. I've seen a tweet. Um, or it might have been a Facebook message from Peter Russell, basically saying just that, um, and having four boys out of one team um, from Belfast itself is just absolutely outstanding. So congratulations to the four of them. Just as a, as, a, as a matter of just a, as a comparison, you look at likes of Liam Steele, who's also in, in defence there. He's over in North America playing varsity, yeah. and he's also already got it lined up to play NCAA. You know, this guy's come through the system. And, you know, and, and he's in the same lineup as, as Kel and Mac. And, you know, it's, it's fantastic for these boys. It's brilliant to see these lads coming from Belfast and getting into that squad. And, you know, more part of their elbow. And hopefully we'll be able to see them more in a Belfast Giants uniform, especially now that friends at uh, One Stop Mortgage Shop have been sponsoring them. Just one thing I was thinking about earlier there says and, and and was was doing the stats as you know, you've seen Mac has I think is Mac has played nine in a row. Certainly been in the in the squad nine in a row. Didn't get much ice time over the weekend, obviously because the games were so tight. 
But this the roster size, and we'll come back to this another because of conscious I can see how long this podcast going yeah, on for. We'll wrap it up. <laughs> Darcy Murphy, hopefully not long to he's back from injury. Cam Knight coming back from his injury. Who else missed out at the weekend? Goody, day to day, almost back from his injury. When those guys come back, we are forcing Max Stewart out of the game. It doesn't make sense. He can't even sit on the bench. He can't even get a shift at the end if we're winning four or five. He gets no more ice time. And he has to go and find somewhere else to develop. Now, this brings in our debate. The EIHL isn't the development league. But you look at the the buzz that goes around the crowd when KL and Mac and so on and so on get on the ice. It's great for them to get their hockey in Belfast. But to develop... They are just going to have to go elsewhere. The EIHL have proven that they don't have a space for them, unfortunately. Well, I mean, I know that obviously Kel's been playing at Solway all season. Mac yeah. just agreed to go to Solway. He played at the weekend. Um, uh, he played with the Giants on Friday and Saturday. Didn't get, um, I don't think he got a shift on Saturday. But no. again, as you said, it was a really tight game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen him after the game. You can see it disappointed because he wants to play. He just wants to learn and develop. Um, and then he went to play. He stayed over. Um, we stayed over in Glasgow Saturday night, and then he was picked up on Sunday, taken down to Dumfries, and then onwards to Whitley Bay. And they beat Whitley Bay in uh, Whitley Bay nine nil. Um, and Mac got a goal. Um, he got a power play goal there. I think it was the seventh, eighth, committee made the ninth goal. But um, again, it, look, it, it, you know, Solway are doing a great job. They've obviously got Mac and and uh, Kel. On board, they've got Martin Grubb as a coach. They've got Jamie Thompson, two ex-teammates of mine, um, two good lads. They know what they're up to. Um, they know how to coach the kids properly. They know how to develop them. Um, and hopefully it's going to stem really well for the Belfast Giants down the line as well because, you know, God knows what other injuries we're going to pick up for the end of the season. Hopefully yeah. they do get more ice time. Um, you know, I'd, I'd really like we, – like, we, we love getting the kids on the ice, but, you know, the whole – Aspect of only 19 players on a roster just absolutely baffles me. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't want to get into a massive debate about it now because you, yeah, you had the whole show right. at the start of the season. But they, they, we should have the opportunity to put these kids on the bench for the experience on even on its own, just to basically be about the lads and they're training with them every day. And they should be allowed 20, maybe 21 players on the bench. And it, it even put a stipulation in there that they've got to be under 21. Um, GB born players, you know, I, I, I just, that's the bit about the IHL that I just don't get. I think that's a, a certainly something that we will revisit. There's a couple of yeah. there's a couple of topics I've written down here for revisiting. That's one of them, and the other one is scheduling, which I think is going to be a major one in the coming weeks. But on that, gents, I think you know we're we're running nearly an hour and fifty minutes now, which is ten minutes more than last week. But we'll uh, we'll wrap things up. A big thanks to Aaron Murphy. Big thanks to Mark Garside, to Mark Cooper, to Kieran Long, and Adam Keefe for, for joining us. Also to Chris Lovell. Great to have him on to chat about Pride Weekend this weekend. As I said, the uh, there are shirts shirt off the back, and all proceeds will be, our proceeds will be going towards the uh, the Rainbow Project, and that's on Friday and on Saturday for the Belfast Giants. Um, the games Belfast against Coventry on Wednesday, seven p.m. at the SSA Arena, and Belfast against Cardiff in the league on Saturday on Friday at seven p.m. at the SSA Arena. Both those games are on Premier Sports. And the Manchester Storm versus the Belfast Giants 
at Planet Ice in Aldringham, 7 p.m. on Saturday, and you'll get that on Storm TV. Um, big thanks to, well, if, if any, there was a better example of this is a, on a view from the bridge, it's a, it's a team show. Big thanks to Joel Neal for sending in the news. Big thanks to Simon Kitchen for getting down and doing the interviews of training. Big thanks to David McJimsey for the stats and for cutting the videos for regards to the, the goals. Um, thank you, gentlemen, for your, uh, for your company this evening. Bueno, silence. Just give a wave. I'll do. We'll wave for the ones on YouTube. And uh, you get oh, us. God, I, thanks very much, Patrick. For all. <laughs> oh, and, and, and Patrick, who's going to spend the next, I don't know how long, sorting this out in the show. He's made it easy for himself now, Dave. He's, he's, just, he's going to be in bed before half 11. I'll be honest with you. It's not as difficult as it used to be. It's still a little bit of work. If, not as difficult if you threw an F bomb in there, says it might take a wee bit Do longer. not throw. So, <laughs> on that note, on that vote, <laughs> you get us at AVFTB on Twitter, on Facebook, on kingdomthegiants.com, on your favorite podcast clients, on YouTube, and now on Spotify video. Wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hockey and we'll catch you here next time on a view from the bridge. Sports Social Podcast Network.